So well, let's go, uh, let's open our Bibles, uh, and we're going to go Old Testament. We're going to go uh, Numbers chapter 32, Numbers chapter 32 tonight, and uh, being the Old Testament, congratulations once again to, to all, our, all of our graduates, and thank you for continuing to give and, and sow into this church, and uh, just we're able to do everything that we're able to do. In our first year, we're able to go to a youth camp because you guys generously give and support and take 45 teenagers. We knew that it was, like, as we were talking about it and we talked to the board about it, we knew that it was, um, I mean, it's, it's a big risk in your first year, but we believe in the next generation, and uh, it's one of our 10 values. The next generation is one of our 10 values, and we said if we're going to be a church that values the next generation, we value camp experiences, and so uh, we're glad to be able to do that. Numbers chapter 32. Numbers 32. Let me read this to you. It's going to be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles or your smartphones or whatever. It says this, the tribes of Reuben and Gad on vast numbers of livestock. So when they saw, come on, somebody say they saw. When they saw the lands that Jazer and Gilead were ideally suited for their flocks and for their herds. Before, before I continue to read, let me, let me give you a little context and, and background because I think, I think it'll make more sense if I do this first. So if you'll remember that the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they were like right on the precipice of the promised land and they sent the spies in and 10 of the spies came back and they said, we can't take the land. It's giants, fortified cities. It's lands that belong to other people. And two of them believed. Two of them said, we can have the land. We can go in and we can take it. God has given us this land. We can have it. And the people chose to believe the 10. And because the people chose to believe the 10, the faith, the lack of faith had to die off in that generation. So for 40 years, they wandered in the desert. So here they are, second chance, okay? Time number two right on the edge of the promised land. They're about to cross the Jordan over into the promised land. And so now here we have the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and then it's the half tribe of Manasseh, half of the tribe of Manasseh. They come to Moses and this is what they're saying. They say, we saw that these lands of, of Jazer and Gilead were ideally suited for the flocks and our herds. So they came to Moses at Ili and Eleazar the priest and the other leaders of the community. And they said, notice the towns of Atora and Daban and Jazer and Nimron. And man, these cities are terrible to pronounce, aren't they? Heshbron, Eleahar, Simba, Simba, I guess that's Sim, Sibma, Nebo and beyond. Dear Lord. I'm, I'm just glad we got like Pittsburgh and, you know, Frisco. And the Lord has conquered this whole area for the community of Israel. And it is ideally suited for all our livestock. If we have found favor with you, please let us have this land as our property instead of giving us land across the Jordan River. You see what's happening here? I mean, they're backtracking, right? I mean, we're going back 40 years. The promised land is on the other side of the Jordan River. And here they come and they go, we're here. Do you mind if we just kind of camp out here? I know the promised land is there, but we want to stay here. So they're talking, trying to talk Moses and Eleazar into this. Verse number six, Moses responds, do you intend to stay here while your brothers go across and do all the fighting? 
Moses asked the men of Gad and Reuben, why do you want to discourage the rest of the people of Israel from growing across into the land that God has given? Come on, somebody say given. That God has given them. Verse number eight. And your ancestors did the same thing when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. So when they saw, the Bible says, so when they saw, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you, Lord. I pray that this word come alive to us today. Open every ear, open every heart, every and every mind to receive every word. Change us and challenge us today. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on. And everybody said amen, amen. Thank you so much, Landon. Appreciate you, man. Uh, how many of you have ever thought of settling for less than God's best in your life? I mean, if, if we're being honest, I think it's a temptation for all of us at some point in our life that we get to a point to where we go, you know, I've, I've, I've worked hard, I've, I've toiled, I've put in the work, I've sowed, I've invested, and honestly, it's just tough. And I, I see, I can see across the Jordan, I can see to the promise, but it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really difficult. And what I see with my own eyes all around me is that where I'm at right now is pretty good. Where I see is that where I'm at right now is, I mean, it's all right. And, and that's literally the situation that, that we see here is that the nation of Israel is, is about to move into the promised land. They're about to move across the Jordan and they're about to move into the promised land and they're about to conquer cities that God has given to them. And I preached uh, back in the fall, I preached about uh, a message about this, about the first time that, that they're at, you know, this, the edge of the promise. And 10 go in and, and can't see what God has given to them. And that's the critical piece here is that God gave them this land. Yes, there was going to be some battles that they had to fight. Yes, there were some fortified cities, as we talked about in fall. Yes, there were some giants that had to fall. Yes, there were all these things. But, but the key critical, key critical thing to underline is that God gave them this land. And I think it's important that as we, we take a step back from our lives that we look at the things that God has given to us. That we examine the promises that God has made to us. Shannon and I are standing and walking in a promise that nearly didn't happen. I, I may have told this story before, and if I have, just nod your head and just say amen. And if you haven't heard the story, sit back and enjoy it. But two years or two or three years ago, this plant almost didn't happen. And I mean, there's been so many points in my life and in my journey to where, you know, I had opportunities to give up. I had opportunities to, to throw in the towel. I had opportunities to go, God, this is, this is not it. This is not the plan. This is not it. And I remember I was, I was in my office um, where I worked in Carrollton. And Aaron Castro actually walks into, my, walks into my office. And his brother-in-law was working on a project for, uh, for Gateway Church, Pastor Robert Morris at, at Gateway Church. And he had on his, his USB drive, he's like, he's like I, 
I have this video that my brother-in-law is, is working on. I just, I just want you to watch it. I, I don't really don't even know why he wanted me to watch it. And what you need to understand is that at this point in my life, I'd taken this dream of what God had promised and I'd put it on the shelf. And I'd gone, I'd told myself, I said, I can reach people right where I'm at in the position that I'm at, doing what I'm doing at this church. I had settled for less than God's best in my life. Not that that church isn't a great church. It is a great church. Not that that church isn't doing great things. It is doing great things. But it wasn't God's best for my life. And I had taken this dream and I had put it on the shelf and I had just gone, God, it's, it's okay. I'm going to serve you right here where I'm at. But what I wasn't realizing is that there was a promised land that God had called me to that I was settling in something else. On the other side of the Jordan, there was something that God had called me to, and it didn't mean that it wasn't going to be hard and all the things. But I was looking around, and what I was seeing with my natural eye is I can go, man, I can settle here. This can be easy. This can be good. I, I kind of like what's happening here. I've already come through and conquered some battles, and I can camp out right here. I can settle right here. I can still reach people for Jesus. And I wasn't wrong because I could still reach people for Jesus right here. I could still be productive for God. I could still work for God. Hearts and lives could still be, God could still use me. But what I would be doing is I would be settling for the land of less because ultimately it wasn't what God had for me. And any time that I, that I settle or you settle for less than what God has for me, I'm settling in the land of less. And so these tribes come to the Jordan River and they settle for less because they come to Moses and they look around and they say, we see a land that looks good for our cattle. We see a land that looks good for us. We've already conquered the people here in, on this side of the river. So we'll take this and we can be good. We'll settle for the land of less. So let me finish my story. Don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So Aaron cuts on this video and it begins to play. And it begins to tell Robert Morris's life story. And it begins to talk about how he had this dream to plant a church. And it begins to talk about, you know, and it, it shows him in like his first buildings. And, and with a Sharpie, he's writing like, you know, like hundreds of thousands on the, the pillars of this building. He said, I, I see us reaching. And, and he wrote, I, I want to say it was 300,000 that he wrote on this pillar, which if you know anything about Gateway, I mean, they're massive. You know them because of Dallas, but literally people all over the world, they know them because God is using that church to, to do incredible things all across this nation and all across this world. But in that moment, God spoke to me and said, Craig, get the dream off the shelf. You can stay here, but you'll stay in the land of less. You can stay here, but you won't be fulfilling the destiny that, that I called for you. You can stay here, but there's more on the other side if you truly want to step into the promise. You can just go, yeah, whatever, I'll reach people over here, but there's so much more that I'm calling you to do if you'll just take up 
and cross the Jordan and walk into the promised land. And I think what I was scared of was some of the battles that I knew that I would face, some of the giants that I knew that I would face, some of the storms, some of the things, some of the attack that would come against me. I was scared of some of the things that would come against me in the promised land, but I knew that I had to take up my tent. I had to take up my mat. I had to pack up my things. I had to get our family together and cross over the Jordan and into the promised land because I couldn't settle in a land of less. And I don't know who I'm talking to tonight that maybe there's a dream, that maybe there's something that's been in your heart and you just go, I'm settling in the land of less. And I know that I've got to get my family together and my things together and begin to move into the promise that God has called us into. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know if it's starting a new business. I don't know if it's moving to a new city. I don't want you to because I want you to stay a part of Restoration Church. We're trying to grow a church, not shrink a church in Jesus' name. But, but whatever he's calling you to do, I don't want you to live in the land of less. And if this is the land of less, I want you to walk into the land that God is calling you to. If God has called you to plant a church, guess what? We want to get behind you and help you plant a church. If God has called you to serve in ministry, we want to get behind you and train you and raise you up and send you out into the promise. I never want anybody to live in the land of less. I want you to walk in the purpose that God has called you to. But here's the thing. Is that they look around and it says, so when they saw. They stopped looking through God's perspective. They stopped looking through God's lens. They stopped looking through the promise and they started looking through the natural. So when they saw, they saw with their eyes, it looks good. It, it looks like everything is going to be great, but we're going to get to it because there's things that we don't see in the natural that God sees in the spiritual, that if we stay and we live in the natural, what we can see, we miss so much from God's perspective and what he can see. But because what they didn't realize is that living in this land left them susceptible to attacks. Watch this. Let's let's I, I want to go to first Samuel. Because it, it talks about these two and a half tribes that that stayed on this side of Samuel. And if you're taking notes, write this down. You ought to go back and, and read this later on. And as I was doing study, it, they're only mentioned these, these three tribes, they're only mentioned about 10 other times in the Bible from this point moving forward. And the times that they're mentioned, about half of those times, it's mentioned talking about them being in captivity. Because in not being in God's will, what they did is they left themselves open to attack. God had a plan and a strategic purpose to put them in a place that would protect them, that would keep them safe. But they were the first ones that would absorb the attack as they were coming in. And watch this. First Samuel, listen to what it says. It says, Nahash, king of the Ammonites, has been grievously oppressing the people of Gad and Reuben who lived east of the Jordan, living in the land of Les. And watch this. He gouged out the right eye of each of the Israelites living there. And he didn't allow anyone to come and rescue. In fact, all of the Israelites east of the Jordan, there wasn't one single one whose right eye Nahash had not gouged out. But there were 7,000 men who escaped from the Ammonites and they settled in Jabesh Gilead. So 
Here they are. They settle in the land of less. They're absorbing the tax that are coming from them. And this king, what he does is he comes in and he plucks out the right eye of each of these men. Now, I want you to imagine what this would do to your vision if you spent the rest of your life with just one eye. If you spent the rest of your life with just 50% vision. And, and I begin to read this and, and hear God speak to me that this is what happens when we settle in the land of less is that it affects our vision. We have about 50% vision when we could have walked into the promise and all that God had and had 100% vision and been able to see things clearly. But the thing that it affected when they settled in the land of less is it affected their vision. I wonder what, what God and has, what kind of vision that he's given you for your life that if we settle in the land of less, it's going to affect the vision, the vision and the things that he set out and called us to do and accomplish. I could have settled in the land of less, but God had called me to go into something else. And I could have stayed here, but, but it would have affected my vision. And, and I love the fact that even this, this, one, uh, this one commentator, he said this. He said that it, it left them open and vulnerable to attack, that they're only mentioned these few times. And, and what's interesting is that if, if you only have one eye, what you've got, you're open and you're susceptible to attacks. Your, your peripheral vision is affected. And when we'll allow the enemy to come in and steal our vision for the future, steal our vision for our family, steal our vision for our kids, steal our vision for where we're going, we, we back off of the promise or the things that he's called us to. And because we don't fully walk in those things, our vision gets affected. And then all of a sudden, out of our peripheral, we're susceptible to attack. But when we're in the promise, when we're walking with God, I love what Deuteronomy says about it. If you fully obey the Lord, your God, listen to what he says. If you fully obey the Lord, your God and carefully follow all his commands that I give you today, the Lord, your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. Verse number seven says this, the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but they will flee from you in seven. When the enemy comes in in one direction, I've got a God that protects me. And because he protects me, the enemy scatters. I've got a God that's on my side. So when, when a weapon is formed against me, it doesn't prosper. I've got a God that when I'm in the promise, he's there with me. He's on my side. But when I'm in the land of less, I've left myself susceptible to attacks and I've got 50% vision. So when the attack is coming in, I don't even see it. But here's the good news. When I'm in the promised land, I don't have to see the attack because I've got a God that's watching out for me and the enemy's going to flee in seven different directions. And it doesn't even matter what I do. Why? Because God fights for me. If they wouldn't have settled in the land of less, if they would have gone to the promised land, they're protected. Settling for less opened them to attack. It affected their vision. I don't want to live in a place with partial vision. I don't want to live in a place where the enemy can, can sneak in and get me. I don't want to have areas in my life where I'm weak and where I'm vulnerable. And, 
and the enemy is ready just to get me and hit me and, and tear me down and I never even see it coming. I want to walk in the promise where I have both my eyes open. The Bible says that we have to be vigilant and that we have to be alert. Why? Because our enemy is on the prowl. Shannon preached it last week, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's out seeking. Man, I, I see these people that are going to church on Sunday night, and I'm going to tear them down. I'm going to get them. I'm going to find them where they're weak. But I'm telling you, if we'll secure ourselves in the promise of God, if we'll secure ourselves and go after him completely and holy, God is going to fight our battle for us. I'm not going to live in a place to where I live susceptible to the attack and the punch and the hits of the enemy. But the second thing that happens as, as we live with, with 50% vision is it affects our, our depth perception. It affects our depth perception. And, and Psalms says this in, in Psalms 42, 7. It says, deep calls to deep. And maybe you've read that before. You've even heard a pastor uh, preach it, or maybe you've even sang it in a song, and you said, what in the world does that mean? It means this, spirit calls to spirit, and flesh calls to flesh. And when I'm in the promise, I hear the spirit. I hear where he's leading me. I hear where he's calling me. I hear where he's directing me. And if I'm in the flesh, what I want, what I think is best, what I, I, I looked around, I observed this is best for me. God, I know you said what's best, this is best for me. God, I know you said you know what's best for my finances, that as I give 10%, you're going to bless me, but God, I'll, I'll deal, I'll take the 100 and I'll, I'll deal with it. I, I got it, God, I got it. I got it under control. I know that there's promises over here, but I, I'm going to choose to do things my way. I know that you said that if, if I'll give up this sin or that sin or whatever, that you're going to bless me, but I'm going to choose to manage it over here on my own. And what we do is we become susceptible to the attack of the enemy. You fill in the blank for whatever it is for you, but somebody has settled in a land of less as God is calling you to do more. God is calling you to the other side of the Jordan and he's going on the other side of the Jordan is promise and I will bless you. But we want to settle in the land of less. I don't want to sandal, settle in the land of less. I want to be in a place where I hear the spirit calling to spirit. But unfortunately, in the land of less, flesh calls to flesh. And what, what did... What did the, the tribes of Reuben and, and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, what did they do? They looked around and they responded to flesh. This is what I want. This is what seems easy. We fought a battle. We've come through the battle. The battle is over. Thank God. Here's the bad thing. They had to go in and fight for something that they didn't even get to possess. Because if you'll go on to read what happened is Moses said, the only way that you can have this land is if you'll come in with us and you'll fight the battles. So they had to go in and they had to fight the battles, then go back and live in the land of less. They fought for something that they didn't even get to take part in. And so here they are, they're living in a land of less when they could have been living in a land of promise because flesh called to flesh. Deep is calling to deep today craziest part of it is that they had to fight for lands that they would never possess. They had to fight either way. They had to fight the battle, whether they got the promise or not.
The battle is coming. Listen to me. As the band comes back, the battle is coming whether you choose to walk in the promise of God or whether you choose to live in the land of less. Can I say that again? A battle is coming either way. I'm not telling you tonight that the nation of Israel that crossed over the Jordan River and they lived in the promised land, they were attacked too. I'm not telling you they were. They moved into area of sin and they began to let flesh call out to flesh and, and they moved in the wrong direction and then nations would conquer them. But they were worse off than this group was as they wandered away from, from the purpose of God. What I want to say is this, is that whether you're here or here, you're going to face battles, but over here I've got God on my side. I don't want to live in a place where I don't have God on my side. And a lot of people would even say, like, why, why do you go to church? Why do, why do you serve God? Why are you a Christian? Because I, I want God on my side helping me fight my battles. I can walk through the hard times with or without God. I choose to walk through the hard times with God. I choose to walk through the battle with God on my side. I choose to walk through the storms where he is going to go with me and he is going to fight. Where he is going to go before me and he is going to be my rear guard. I choose to live in the, in the area where God is with me all of the time. That's where we have to live. I want to live in the promise. I want to do the things that I'm, I'm called to do. I want to be the man that I'm called to be. I want to be the father that I'm called to be. I want to be the pastor that I'm called to be. And it all happened sitting at a desk when I turned on a video and I said yes to a dream again. God, yes. God, yes. Lord, I'm sorry that I put this dream on the shelf. God, I'm sorry that I told you no. God, I'm sorry that I tried to make alternate plans to the promise. God, I'm sorry that I tried to make something that it never should have been. God, I've got to take this dream off the shelf and I've got to say, let's go. I sat at my desk for 15 minutes, I promise you, ugly crying. Just, Aaron came back in 15 minutes later and stuck his head in the office and I was still crying. He's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm so good. And then I asked him later, I said, hey, can you send me, send me that video? And, uh, and I took it home and um, we watched it as a family that night. And I mean, same thing. I sat in that chair and I just, and I just wept. I said, I got to get the dream off the shelf. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you're in here and, and you know, like, maybe it's an, an area of obedience in your life that you go, you know, there's a promise associated with, and God, I know you're asking me to trust you in this area but I haven't fully crossed over into obedience. So I'm not really receiving the promise that you have for me. And there's promises all throughout this book. And if you'll open it, I promise you, God's going to speak to you. And as you flip through these pages, God will speak to you. And you may go, oh, man, you got me there, God. That's deep calling to deep, right? Open the Bible. Spirit calling. Ooh, okay, God, I... You're convicting me there. You're convicting me on the way I spoke to my wife this week. You're convicting me on the way that I spoke to my kids this week. You're convicting me on, you name it. But then flesh is going to call to flesh, right? Man, you don't have to really listen to that. You don't have to really listen to the promise. That's it. Listen to the promise that's in the book. 
Listen to deep calling to deep. Listen to spirit calling to spirit. Deny your flesh. She said, if you want to come after me, you've got to deny your flesh. You've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow me. So let's stand on our feet. God, we want your promise. We want to walk in safety and protection and security and your favor. Just we, we want you all around us, all over us. And we need you, God. We, we want to be in your perfect will. We want to know and hear your voice and, and, and act and, and respond in obedience, God. I don't want to saddle, settle in the land of less. But God, I want to walk in your promise. In, in my finances, I, I want to walk in your promise. In my marriage, I want, I want to walk in your promise. To my kids, God, I, I want to walk in the promise. So God, when I open the book and you speak to me and deep calls to deep, let me respond spirit to your spirit not flesh by what I see and it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult and I'm going to have to change this or give up this or whatever. God, not let me look what I see with the natural eye. Let me just walk and follow and trust where you're calling me and all the things that you said that you've given to me, the victory, the hope, the joy, the peace, God, that we've overcome restlessness, God, that we've overcome it all. God, you overcame the world and if you've overcome the world, we've overcome the world, God, because you are more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror because I have you living on the inside of me, God, so I can be full of hope and I can be full of joy and I can be full of peace, God. And, and so, Lord, I can walk in your victory every day and I don't have to live in a land of less. But, God, I can, I can live and walk in your promise.